0: working on a project called Eno Tools University. This is season one, episode two. Today, we're going to learn about Imbibe Solutions out of Charlottesville, Virginia. Is that right?
1: That's correct.
0: Okay, I have Audrey Skinner and Jess Trapini with me. Jess, is that a good pronunciation of your name?
2: Yep, you nailed it.
0: All right. Well, I already let the cat out of the bag about the fact that you're in Charlottesville, Virginia, but... How do you think is a good way to explain what it is that you ladies do for the industry?
1: We are a quality control lab for fermented beverages. Uh, So wine, beer, spirits, kombucha, you name it.
0: Wow. I can appreciate that you are working with more than just wine. How would you say it breaks down percentage-wise for customer profile? Is it mostly one or more of another?
1: Well, we started out doing 100% beer, um, but the wine industry has, has grown quite a bit. So we're probably about 80% wine at this point, um, 15% beer, and 5 well, to 10% other.
0: So when you said when you started out. When was that, by the way?
1: Uh, we opened doors in 2016.
0: For the people who know Charlottesville fairly well, uh, where in town are you?
1: We're located in Belmont. Um, so right at the intersection of highway 64 and highway 20. So easy to find, easy to get to.
0: I could probably find that after visiting wineries in that area for about 17 years. I would um, hope so. Yeah,
1: that's,
0: <laughs> that's not a promise or a threat, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes when someone uses the phrase darken a door, uh, it, it can be literal. Uh, so I, promise not to just pop in unannounced. Um, (laughs) All right. So I'm dying to know either one of you who would like to go first, Audrey or Jess, how did you get into doing this?
1: I started the company six years ago. I have a background in chemistry and gastronomy. So food studies. I moved to Charlottesville and met a brewer who started telling me all about beer chemistry which is something I would never thought of, but I loved the idea of combining my two degrees.
0: Wait, were you Um, drinking beer during this conversation?
1: There may have been some imbibing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, sounds good Uh, so far.
1: Yeah, Um, so he was telling me that uh, large breweries have their own labs but the small craft breweries can't afford the equipment, the personnel, or the space to, to do that. And it would be really great if there was a local lab that could service multiple breweries. I did some research. I thought it sounded like a great idea and, and opened up, up the lab to, to start that way. Um, and then Virginia is a huge wine industry. And so I started taking on some wineries and it, it's gone on from there. Um, and then Jess joined the company a year ago.
2: Jess, you want to do your, your background? Sure. Jess,
0: Jess, how did you get there?
2: Well, I have a degree in biochemistry and I worked at a DNA lab for a few years out of college. And
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Um, and then I moved to Charlottesville to be with my now husband. I kind of dropped the DNA and I actually was a nanny for a little while. And while I was doing that, Logan, my husband worked at Oakencroft and, and Phil Ponton was like, I know somebody looking for a lab tech. Would you be interested at a winery? I went and I interviewed and they were like, What do you know about wine science? I said, nothing. And they were like, Great, we'll teach you. And I already had the basis for how to run a lot of these tests, just had to apply it to wine. I worked at Michael Schapp's for six years in the lab and production. I wanted something different. And Audrey is looking to expand the lab. So I joined on.
0: That sounds cool. And uh, I was just remembering my most recent visit to virginia wine works i guess we're accidentally giving michael Schaff's a so it's, it's a complete accidental <laughs> shout out isn't it um <laughs> but, yeah but. whoopsie anyway um maybe michael believes that there's no such thing as bad publicity giving credit where credit is due that place is in one of the most beautiful spots in the region i really enjoyed driving out to I think there's a winery right nearby on your way in as you approach Virginia Wineworks. But that spot where that property is situated, it's just beautiful out there.
1: It is. It definitely is.
0: Going forward with a discussion which should benefit winemakers, I, what is the test you do the most on wine?
2: For wineries, we kind of made some packages, and I would say the biggest one we run is probably our bottling. So people that are getting ready. To put their wines in package, they'll send us a sample and we'll do a whole slew of tests, um, ABV, pH, TA, um, sugars, acids like malic and VA and free total um, SO2. And if they are whites, we will do the heat and the cold check.
0: I see. More than once in my career, I've had the pleasure of sampling a bottle which decided to start re-fermenting. hmm
1: that happens
0: it, sometimes. <laughs> I actually enjoy a sparkling red. Um, I I had a sparkling baco noir, probably something along the lines of a, a pet nat sort of level of carbonation because they weren't sparkling wine corks, and if the wine got a little too excited, it would just simply push the still wine closure out. Yeah. Um, but I had the pleasure of trying a couple bottles, which were, you know, just strictly for research. Um, of course, I say tongue in cheek. I had a couple of bottles to try before the corks got pushed out, and it was it was a, a happy accident. I mean, the wine was very enjoyable, but of course, it's something that winemakers would like to avoid. Would you mind enlightening me as to how something like that would happen?
2: Yeah, a lot of that stems from usually glucose fructose being still present, still having that sugar present. Then also, if you're not sterile filtering or you know, maybe there was an error in the sterile filtering, you can have some yeast bodies left and those will eat that sugar and referment. And that also can happen if there's microbes in there that eat malic uh, malic acid, though so both of those kind of referments, which you want in a traditional sparkling um, might happen accidentally in a non-traditional method sparkling.
0: That's one of those situations you can appreciate, you know, with me as a vendor, I don't dare ask those kinds of hard, hard questions because it could come across as accusatory. In other words, if I start asking specifically, didn't you sterile filter or, you know, what did you use to to stop fermentation or re-back sweetening? I mean, how did you, how did you arrive at this specific set of of characteristics for this wine and then not expect it to (laughs) re I try not to be that nosy. I just, I just listen to the story and show appreciation and nod and try the wine. It's hard to be polite sometimes when you've been doing this for so long. If someone reaches out to you out of the blue, what happens next? They call and they say, I have a wine. I'd like to have looked at what happens next.
1: We say fantastic. They (laughs) will submit an email. so that we have their email address on file for a sending report. So we will get some basic information, email, phone number, name. We'll set up their accounts. And then they can shoot a follow-up email to order at imbibes-solutions.com and submit their sample either by drop-off or mail with whatever tests they're, they're trying to get run. And within two days, usually, we will have results back to them by email, and then send them an invoice afterwards.
0: Gotcha. So how long would you say it takes to get set up with a new customer who just contacted?
1: You? Minutes. It is so fast. Um, we just need that, again, name, email, phone number, and they can start submitting samples immediately.
0: So this podcast is taking longer than it would take them to get ready to send one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no kidding. All right. Well, that's that's actually nice to hear. Just to be clear, for the marketplace out there, for anybody who's listening, Vibe Solutions is an outfit in Virginia with uh, testing capabilities for alcoholic beverages in general. Not at all affiliated with Eno Tools. What led to this podcast was, you know, I basically had this idea after after meeting these two ladies at a trade show, who offer a service I did not know existed. And I kind of keep track of our industry. I thought, wow, this is interesting that there's now lab services on a commercial level, professional you know, laboratory services available to Eastern wineries. Because I'm aware that so many people send wine to a lab on the West Coast. We're an Eastern industry. Everybody should know everybody. And I really feel like um, we're sort of isolated because the whole territory from the West side of Missouri to the Atlantic you know, from Texas to the Great Lakes, it's a far flung, uh, low concentration sort of sparsely scattered sort of industry. But we have to take advantage of technology and, and act like we're each other's neighbors to make one another aware of the services like this if, you, if you're not already. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, and thank you. Thank you for your support and what we're doing. Um, there's about one third of the wineries in the United States are on the East Coast. And we are trying to become the number one go-to wine lab for everyone to help them save on shipping, help them have good consulting resource, um, give them, you know, supported services, accurate results. Um, We are TTB certified chemists. Um, Jess also forgot to mention that she is a enologist Um, So she is a a certified wine scientist.
0: Um, That's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, isn't that cool?
0: (laughs) So wait a second. Do you actually do, I mean, other than just running labs on wine, do you actually consult?
1: Yeah, we do some consulting and we have a annual lab management program. So every year we will sit down before harvest with winery and really design an entire year's worth of testing for them. And we'll figure it out based on what kind of data that they find useful using, um, frequency of testing, and most importantly, whatever their budget is and making sure we really stick to that. And then we'll send them reminders whenever they need to submit samples Uh, We'll keep everything tracked in a really easy to read spreadsheet so that they can have an entire history of every single one of their wines from juice to bottle. Um, We'll provide sample bags. And of course, they have full access to us with as many questions as as they want.
0: That's interesting. So if you were dealing with a customer who does not make wine for their day job, or maybe this is a second career for them or something, if they're just starting out. Could they, in fact, have you on speed dial once they are trying to learn the process? Can, do you get that involved with consulting?
1: Yeah, we can we can help them quite a bit. Um, once we get some data on them, we can help with troubleshooting if the numbers start to go wonky. As Jess mentioned, she worked the production side of a winery for a while. And so we're very familiar with how to deal with these numbers and, and kind of what needs to be done.
0: Now, I'm imagining, let's say uh, we've got somebody and they're tired of watching everyone sell boatloads of rosé. So they decide to make a rosé out of uh, Chamberson, for example, or Sintiana. Could they call you prior to picking the fruit and ask for advice on a a winemaking protocol?
2: It's funny that you say that because actually one of my side gigs, I'm making a Chamberson rosé. And it's really fun, but we, we actually did have a client who reached out and was looking for some advice on how, how to get that color down. Cause that one, that's that grape. It's very dark and everyone's looking for that Provence style rosé and you know, that Chamberson grapes, not going to give that to you right away. So yeah, I'm happy to answer questions and try to give some feedback and, you know, some things to try and it's the fun part.
1: Yeah, especially if they haven't pressed yet, there's some variety of things that they can try and do to make that work.
0: A lot of that came up on the, in the previous episode when we were discussing Canon, There was uh, some detail specifically about rosé, and um, what was interesting is Mr. Rendu said that according to his data, color sells it more often than anything else. Absolutely, definitely I mean, for me, it's uh, it's a variety of factors, and there certainly is a fair amount of that consumed at our house, um, especially, you know, during 2020, <clears throat> there was um, maybe an abnormally high amount of it being consumed, but, you know, when we were all cooped up, it remains popular with family and friends. It's something that I'll, I love to try and, you know, put a couple side by side and just contrast them try to guess certain things about the way they were made. So it's um, it's a topic that's close to my heart. It's more than just a- academic in this situation. Good to know people can think of you in that context also not just hey, you know, run a lab which, you know not to downplay that at all. So I mean,
2: what we're trying to be too is like not um, not just somebody you send a sample out and you receive a PDF back, somebody that is that, more interactive, like, how should I interpret these results? What's the next steps? Like, what should, you know, here's my problem. What should I be testing for? And that kind of um, step in between.
0: I went ahead and plugged in your zip code uh, into the UPS ground shipping map. And I find this fascinating because I'm sort of a dork. It looks like somebody as far away from you as Minnesota could pay for UPS Ground and still get their stuff to you in three days. Depending on where you are in Missouri, here in the eastern part of Missouri, you could have a two-day delivery time for the price of UPS ground, which is really cool. And that applies to surrounding states, too. If you kind of swing a, a radius around Charlottesville, uh, places like Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee, Georgia, South Carolina. So you folks down in Dahlonega, if anybody in that area is tuning in, you're looking at two days for the price of UPS grounds to ship your stuff to a lab in Virginia, which is really cool. Save a few bucks on shipping right now. That's something that a lot of people are conscious of just because of the situation with freight in general. Have you ever mapped the UPS grounds area map like I'm looking at right now? No, I actually haven't
1: seen that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> um, I do know that we have some samples that get shipped to us. I think two day, and UPS is good enough to get it to us next day instead.
0: Wow. Yeah. Is that is that someplace far away from you, or
1: uh, Northern Virginia, Maryland? Um, usually where i see it from i don't i don't tend to pay attention to it too much of when people ship because we don't usually get the uh the shipping notifications um but we do have two clients one in northern virginia one in maryland that i've noticed that
0: it almost looks like folks in say around the philadelphia area would be able to do that they could pay for two day and it might show up overnight
1: yeah it might
0: so thank you ladies for joining me this morning
1: Thank you so much, Joe.
0: Thank you. That is a wrap up for uh, season one, episode two of Eno Tools University. As I go forward and work on some more episodes for this, I'll try to keep it useful and informative. Good to know things for people who make wine for a living. Thank you for listening.